0: Am I Reister or am I wrong with my main man, Ralph Amsden and Ralph has a great hat on today and we will discuss that in a minute, but the Cam Newton video at his seven on seven camp is a sad commentary on parenting and things that are glorified out in general with these children's. Deion Sanders gets robbed for a second time at Jackson State. He is the Joe Clark in Lean on Me. Notre Dame makes the right move by saying that they won't be in the EA NCAA game until players are paid. Adrian Bronner is a clown and the best of social media including Steve Kerr Uh, Anthony Edwards an Oklahoma player gets his ass whooped and finally a Columbia professor he does heroin and apparently it's just okay am I right sir or am I wrong is the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet the truth Monday Wednesday Friday fire facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed we keep it 100 Make sure that you share Rice or Wrong with a friend. Tell a friend about it. Of course, do all those things. Share it, download the podcast, all of that stuff. And you can listen to us as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and on me on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And then uh, Fox Sports Radio, uh, Sundays 2 to 5 p.m., dude, Ralph. I sound like a Jamaican, like I got like 50 jobs. I got 50 job man. Um, the gig economy, exactly. So, uh, I guess we'll start today. All right, so for those of you who can't see, Ralph has a hat on today. He has a hat. Well, um, if you're listening to it on podcast, I will post a link to it on the um, in the description i just screenshot it for you for you ralph so people will be able to see it um Great. so he has a number one dad hat on it's written on like it's cute your kid clearly made this hat right yeah
1: yeah it's got like a, a handprint on both sides um this, this this is a few years old um but uh i i wasn't originally wearing it forward so you could see the foam mm-hmm. paint and the number one dad in the front I got uh, bullied into turning my hat around (laughs) before the show started by George Reister, Uh, and I'm I'm still oblivious as to the reason why.
0: Okay, Ralph, Ralph, turn turn the hat around the way that people can see what I saw as soon as we got on here today. All right, man. God dang it. So he has a regular hat on it's, it's, it's a snapback, but one of those, the ones with the leather strap and the leather strap is holding on for dear life. Like it is (laughs) like a man (laughs) hanging on the edge of a cliff on a branch and he's waiting for, for help. Like he, he looks like, um, in, in the lion King when, Mufasa is on the edge of the mountain, and Scar comes comes up and he hits him on the on the hands with his claws and makes him fall. That's the way <laughs> Ralph's leather strap is holding on right now. Good job, Ralph.
1: Okay, this is not a big head issue. This is a small hat issue. No, we've we've talked about your enormous head. It's a normal size head. It's I'm not doing the thing where you you said I should lay on the floor and weigh. My own head uh, by laying <laughs> next to the sky. Sca- I'm not doing that. I turn my hat around. I've, I've, I've pride in this hat. My kids worked for probably 20 distracted minutes on this hat, uh, so I'm, I'm proud of it. But um, you know, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna wear it backwards. I don't care if it's a distraction for you. <laughs> you're acting like you're acting like the buttons just gonna pop off during the podcast. It, it was, might if know, you laugh
0: here. too hard or you get too excited about a subject that can actually happen. Um. <laughs> so but we'll start out today with a subject that really got my blood boiling this weekend. And and you're mad mad mad. You're upset. <laughs> when
1: have, when have you heard me this upset? I don't know if I've seen you trolling the comments like 78 comments deep replying to random strangers with your take on a subject. I I don't
0: know if I've seen you do that before. That's probably one of the only times I've ever done it. Like that's what Ralph would do. That's what Ralph (laughs) would do. And I went and did it over this video here. Your free, free. You're, a oh, oh. you're a free agent. You're a free agent. You're a free You're a free be poor. I'm rich. You better be pulled. I'm rich. You be I'm rich. You're a free agent. Bad bad. A free agent. I'm rich. Wait, your daddy is. Let me talk to your dad. Let me talk to your dad. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. Where's your dad? you a free agent. You you you're ask. Let me talk Where's your dad? Where's your pop? You So that was Cam Newton at his own camp, mind you, his own seven on seven camp. Some raggedy ass kid comes out there and disrespects Cam. Oh, you're a free agent. You're a free agent. Like just talking shit to Cam. And I'm like, what's up with you? Like who raised you that you would actually have an NFL player, not just an NFL player, a Heisman Trophy winning, SEC Player of the Year, NFL MVP, like just all sorts of records, multiple-time pro bowler, all-pro quarterback. You're just going to come up at to them, instead of trying to get pointers, you're going to try to trash talk them? And for me, it kind of struck a nerve, too, because I remember when I first was exiting the league, I was at home. And somebody actually wasn't a dick like this kid and asked me an innocent question. They were like, George, why are you? Why are you here? It's football season. And mind you, this is the offseason for a camp. Why are you here? It's football season starting. And to me, it sounded like, oh, man, you suck. You this, you that. And it and I went to being a recluse for a minute because I was like I was ashamed of my situation. And then it took me realizing, hold up, I've still done something that everybody in the world wishes that they could do. Got money, get, still got all this, and but it was because as athletes, we have this one lost mentality. And even when Peyton Manning finished, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady's going to finish. He's going to revel in the... The three Super Bowl losses like, oh, my gosh, how did I should have done something better all the times they lost playoff games. He's going to focus on that more than the positive accomplishments that he was able to do. And that's just the way it is in sports. So. To hear a kid do that, when I know that Cam is constantly bombarded with, oh, d- does he still have it? He sucks. He's this. He's that. Oh, he's washed. He needs to retire. Like that's what struck the nerve to me, Ralph. And I was just like, where the hell is the home training?
1: Yeah, I mean you, you seem to be pretty bothered that I wasn't super bothered by it. Yes. I and you made a comment about it like, oh ha, it's funny. I was like what? Oh, I didn't say I didn't say it was funny. It was definitely a dumb thing to do, but the idea that, like, you know that this is what runs through people's minds. You know that people are haters. You know, like, I, I get, I get told I'm this or that on social media every single day. Like, this is the way that people think. People are, people are, uh, are, are just nasty, man, and they're pessimistic, and they, and they're prideful. This kid was super prideful in this instant um, of of where he thought that he had the ground to. To, to, to stick his chest out and talk trash to Cam Newton. And what I was saying is I respected the fact that he actually did it out loud. And now he 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 thought he had the juice to do it. And now like the entire world came crashing down on him. And I just respect the, the fact that it wasn't behind some dog avatar on Twitter, but he actually went out there. He said what he had to say and he took the consequences of it. Now he's apologizing, which was inevitable Probably the funniest thing about his apology was he, he said, I never intended for it to get this far with an exclamation point at the end. I never have – I felt that exclamation point into my <laughs> soul deep in my bones because that was – I mean that he had, he had like probably 50 million people calling him an asshole yesterday. Just a yeah. snot nose, bratty kid. Where's your dad? There's a bunch of – you probably didn't have a dad. Like it, it skewed into some racism. Like yeah. everything – Everything about like all of the commentary that came crashing down when I was like, okay, but like I was a school teacher and I had one of these kids in class every single year uh, who just don't like authority and talk back and don't understand that there's a, there's a a, a level of respect that you're supposed to have for, for your elders. And it was just compounded even more so that it was directed toward one of the greatest athletes of our lifetime. Literally if this man existed in the year 800 AD, he would have ruled a kingdom of 12 million. He's 6'5", 250 pounds, fast as hell, strong as hell, and just like and an incredible uh, leader. And and he could dress a little bit like it's just the idea that you would that you would stick your chest out and you would talk that kind of trash to Cam Newton as a 16, 17 year old kid is pretty wild. But now everybody knows his name. He's going to be a target everywhere he goes. Now he's got to live up to that.
0: He, oh, he,
1: I, I think okay, it could make so him better.
0: Do, do you think that he's any good as a as a football player? Because I don't see, like, the best kids in the country doing that because here's the second part of the video um, that most people haven't seen yet. Oh, no, no, nah, nah, ain't no disrespect. You know, you know if you want some attention, I'm going to give you some attention. The right way, bro. The right way. When do y'all play? Play what was y'all record today, then? One and two. No, two and two on one, two and on one. Two on one. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't able to because 'cause y'all was Let me two. Say, on. Cameras on me. All camera's right, bro. All what time. did he do, man? Does he play? He got speed. He got speed. No, he's he He's speed. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh. Huh? You gonna see? Nah, you're, don't act shy now, nah, bro. I'm asking shy. See see I don't wanna see I can see today. You gonna watch YouTube? Right oh, you watch YouTube? I know you do. Yeah. You gonna cafeteria crotch, man. Stop, stop, stop. What you do, No, I'm not right. trying to ask you, I'm trying to see like what you, you what you do. We do that shit for real though. I'm like We rep that two on five. 205? 215. 215 Okay, cool. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Please don't be one-dimensional. Like, like you said something to me, then I go well, I'm really trying to talk to you. I'm not trying to like crack no jokes. I'm just really trying to ask a simple question. Bro. I'm sorry. I, it's, it's your fault why everybody's looking, but I'm really just trying to ask a question. But you never said what you did. You said you gonna see. Okay, so anybody that I've talked to, because I asked a couple people about this yesterday, they were like, Cam Newton is out in the community giving of his time. He's got a seven on seven team. The kids don't pay to play. He takes care of it. Like, and he's trying to mentor these kids that way they don't fall into these same traps. And this is the dude that you disrespect. I thought he handled it initially in the video in the, in the first video with him saying I'm rich. I, I was like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, hold up, bro. I'm rich. Like he was stung. Chill. He was stung. He was stung. Yeah. He was, but then he, he recovered very well. And most people would have been like, if you don't get your little ass out of my face, like this took me back to the days of, of kid, kids need ass whooping. Sometimes (laughs) I was like, yo, like where, because if this were my kid, he would have not been posting a social media pay, uh, thing. He would have been apologizing. He would have walked to Cam Newton's house knocked on the door been like yo i'm sorry my bad i should have never done this and posted the video about it too because like w- when you mess up on this level you have to have some hum- humility because and like i just questioned the parenting because at what point in time would that be okay you hear me? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the kid need an ass whooping. I think he needs
1: attention and he try, found a way to get it. But there's a the the issue with wanting attention is you never really think through the next step. Once you have Cam Newton's attention, and then he's not looking away. And then he's still not looking away. And then he's asking you the 10th follow up question. And then he's asking you your grandma's name. Like you, he got Cam Newton's attention to the point where it was uncomfortable. Like yeah. he, and he said, it's your fault that everybody's looking over here. And he because, was right. Yeah. Because once you get that kind of attention, then you get defensive. I don't know. I, I'll tell, I'll tell you what though. It worked. I know this kid's name now. I'm not going to say it on this podcast. But I know his name now. His huddle is pinned to the top of his profile for anybody that wants to go take a look. I mean, he's, and he's going to have to back this up. He's going to have to stand flat footed, chest out and 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 back this up for the rest of the of uh, and and what's crazy is in order to back it up you're gonna have to show some humility because oh you're you're I not talked you- to
0: two college coaches and they were like if this was a kid i was recruiting i would pull a scholarship like i don't want anything to do it i mean grant granted you can earn it back showing some humility but the, but but they were like i don't i wouldn't recruit a kid like like if, if a kid i was recruiting was on that video i'm out
1: yeah, and, and then the college recruiting is a weird thing because everyone's looking for a million reasons not to recruit you, especially if it comes down to – because recruiting is an inexact in science. You get four kids who all run a 4-5 who are all 6 165. And you can't decide between any of them. And you're not necessarily, you know, your, your focus is supposed to be on developing the players that you have. You're not necessarily a trained evaluator. You can't project to what they're going to be four or five years from now. So all you have is process of elimination. So you have a kid that comes out there and sticks his chest out to Cam Newton, tells him he's a free agent, that he's about to be broke. Um, and, uh, and, and just continues to be, to be belligerent in that way. That's your reason you found it. And that's why that kid's going to get dropped. But but on the other hand, you know, I think I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Everybody sees guys like Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson was a talker, right? He had the locker room list. He yeah. crossed people's names out. People don't realize that before that, Chad Johnson, before Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson was the same guy who slept in the in the Bengals locker room. He yep. was the same guy who camped outside of the 49ers locker room for six hours just to just to ask Jerry Rice what his workout routine was. Yep. Like they didn't see the humility in Chad Johnson that led to the ability to be able to be uh, as out in the open with it and talk the trash that he talked and have the fun. You, the humility has to come first. You can't you can't be that prideful this soon and expect anything good to come from it.
0: Yeah. And then and that leads me to the people that glorify this because there were some people are like, oh, this is just trash talk. All of this. This leads me to Adrian Bronner which is a boxer. Well, you pull up his record, Ralph, because I don't have it here with me. Yeah, I think he's like 34 and seven, but I'll pull it up, yeah. And Adrian Bronner was a very promising boxer to begin with. He came up as Floyd was kind of tailing off the end of his career, and he was around the, you know, welterweight class, junior welterweight. And he said, like, You know, he talked the trash. He was like A.B. about billions like he had the persona, but he saw the end result of Floyd, but not the pretty boy Floyd. Like 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 you said with um, the the other guy, like he didn't you didn't see Chad's humility. You didn't see the grind that allowed you to be able to do that on the back end. And so this is the kind of stuff that Adrian Bronner does. And I noticed that there's a segment of the population. Mind you, this is going to be very graphic. So if you have kid, kids in the car, it's earmuff time, people. Uh, here it is. This clip's about 30 seconds long. So it's earmuffs for 30 seconds.
1: All y'all against me. Him right here. Leonard will
0: against me. They, they, they with this bitch ass nigga. Leonard a bitch ass nigga too. Well, he time, can, you, he, you don't disrespect me like that. Man, shut up. You ain't with me. You ain't with me. I'm you with, with Jesse. I'm with Mayweather Promotions. You with? Uh, yeah, you ain't with me. And I'm is, a real one. I'm and, a real and one. And this isn't about me. You guys got to fight Yeah. All Saturday right. shut night. Shut that soft-ass shit best, up. And the best man shut to that win. Soft, that's some soft-ass shit. Shut that soft-ass shit up. All that soft talking. I know you can do it, man. You got the, you got the, man, shut that soft-ass shit up. Man, so, you ain't with me. How about this? So that's Adrian Bronner all the time. And he makes me sick, dude. Like, and mind you, I'm a black athlete supporter, but this dude is just an ass clown to me. And Leonard Ellerby is one of the most powerful people in boxing. And he's the one who shaped Floyd Mayweather's whole career and was able to make so much money. And he disrespects everybody around him all the promoters, all of these people, but they'll put him, prop him up still because he can make money off of him. But he's a broke boxer because he doesn't manage his money well. He goes out, drinks parties. He loses fights because he's not disciplined. But this is the guy that gets glorified. And to me, that's a problem. Like, that's a problem in the black community. That's a problem in other communities that that glorify that sort of behavior. And I'm like, he's like, I'm a real one. I'm a real one. No, you're not. Like that, like, that's not real. Like it frustrates me as a black man who that when you have somebody like Russell Wilson get caught, oh, Russell Wilson, he acts white, he this, he that. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, just like why does being black have to be associated with all the negative things in the world? Like you can't be well read, you can't be well spoken. If you treat your wife right, if you treat your girl right, all of a sudden you a simp, you're not that. And I'm like, these are all the things you're freaking supposed to do, man. This is all the stuff you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take care of your family. You're supposed to take care of your kids, your wife. you like, why the hell are we glorifying all the things like, like if you get caught cheating, if you get doing this, that, that shit ain't dope. It's not dope. So I don't understand like the, the glorification of it, like where 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 people would glorify that and then be like, oh Steph 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 Curry soft? What do you mean he's soft? How the hell is him and Russell Wilson soft? These dudes are successful on and off the court. Look at LeBron James, on and off the court. That that ain't soft. That's the right way to do it. Like oh oh he's a nine to five dude. He weak. What? That's honorable. I. I don't understand it, Ralph. Like, and and I know that I'm a part of the black community. So, and I see it within my own community, but I don't feel like as an external viewer from the outside that it's the same from other communities. And granted, I know it's not everybody because a lot of people are like are like me, but I don't understand or know if I see that in other communities.
1: I don't know, man. Well, I mean, I am the resident expert on black culture, so let's get into it, I guess. <laughs> but, no, I think, I, I think that you, when you see Conor McGregor uh, go out and do the, who the F is this guy um, type stuff, uh, you, I mean, you, you definitely see it. Um, you got t- Tony Ferguson and MMA who is, um, I might legitimately be psychotic, uh, in the way that he, you know, he can, he can snap on people for the most part. He's respectful, but he will absolutely lose his emotions and lose his mind. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you've seen, you've seen boxers trash talk and you've seen it get glorified. Um, and you see a lot of people go into boxing because they were in sort of a weird situation in life to begin with. And these tips and tricks of the trade for self-motivation are really good as far as temporarily getting you hyped, but you're always chasing the dragon. There's no intrinsic motivation. Um, it's not about like Muhammad Ali. He would talk his trash, but he was more about being
0: the best. He wasn't yeah, about don't like- Don't you think that there's a difference between talking trash to your opponent, which I am all in on, and treating the everybody else surrounding the fight, helping promote the fight poorly. I think that there's a difference because because you can treat your opponent like trash if you want to. What? Yeah,
1: I think, I don't know. I just think it's it's pretty standard for me to see people create the villain, vanquish the villain. Like that's that mindset of, if you're not an intrinsically motivated person, if you're not in, in it for greatness, for the sake of greatness, then you need a way to get motivated. And sometimes you just see people who weren't loved on right or just not, that didn't have the right situation growing up or whatever. And then they're rewarded for this type of stuff like he still got to fight he still got a w you asked me to pull his record up he is 34 four and one but he's seven four and one in the last seven and a half years he fell off ever since knocking out paulie Molinagi moving to 27 and oh and and that's a tough thing as a boxer you see you see so many boxers who make it and then they just can't get up they for get these fights bread. anymore yeah, because yeah because that was the motivation. The motivation was never to be great. The motivation was to crawl up out of whatever hole you came from. And once you're up out of that hole, what do you do to keep yourself in that mindset? To keep yourself in that lifestyle? He's going that going back can be in really the tough. Hole
0: though, he's been arrested. Yes, so no, you're many, right. Yeah, he's going right. back you're in right. in the hole.
1: Right, and I think I think that your frustration with him isn't just like, oh, that's idiot behavior. I'm mad at the idiot behavior. It's like, you, you are incredibly blessed to be in the position that you're in, have some humility and pride and different kind of pride, not the kind of pride that goes before a fall, but the kind of pride in, in, in your accomplishments to be able to say like, it was hard work that got me here. And if I can continue that, I could be one of the best ever, but you let your mouth do the fighting and then you go out and you get a controversial split decision you know, it, you're it, what's funny is everything kind of just manifests into creating the enemies that weren't there in the first place. Now even more people hate Adrian Bronner. Yeah. And then he, that's what he's going to use as juice for whatever he
0: does next. Well, and that's the problem. Like you limit your options when you act like this. And but I think the problem, if he were just doing it to himself, I wouldn't have a problem. But the fact that he's so influential amongst young African-American kids, young, you know, young, younger, whoever kids. Like, that's the problem because one, one of the things that I've seen is that, actually, we'll move on to the uh, next next thing because I think that it ties into it. Um, it's a good point, though.
1: A kid sees Adrian Bronner talk like that about a respected person and then
0: they feel like they have license to do it. And I feel like that's a connection you're trying to make. Yeah. With, with the Cam Newton thing, like that's how you get there because Adrian Bronner does it or whoever does it to somebody who should be respected. And they're like, Oh, but he's still successful. He making money. Yeah. But it's temporary. As long as you can make money for other people, they will allow you to do that. But the time his athletic, he either starts losing too much, which he was on the verge of, or, he can't fight anymore because because he's older, he has no value to them. They're gonna he's gonna call them on the phone, they're gonna be like, Adrian brought a hell nah. Because people don't remember what you did, what you said, they remember how you made them feel. Um, and next thing up, you we had Deion Sanders who has moved over to Jackson State, head coach there, doing great things out there. He's actually trying to lead a movement of Kids going to HBCUs, Historically Black Colleges and Universities, which is a good thing. The difference is sometimes where kids don't want to go to those schools, they're under-resourced compared to uh, other schools. I mean, it's like the difference between going to an FCS school and going to an FBS school. Like, there's a difference in going to Alabama, Oregon, USC, Penn State. Than it is going to Jackson State, which is an HBCU, or going to you know uh, uh, Texas State or uh, Famu or any anywhere else, Elon, anything like that. There's a big difference in what you get, how you're treated, from food to housing, accommodations, flights, everything. So he's trying to do good things out there, but Dion actually ends up. A few, what, like a month or so ago, he got robbed. His truck got robbed. And he came out and he said, yo, if you bring this stuff back, we're not going to uh, prosecute it. Just just, just bring it back. Whatever, right? This time, they're playing a game. They're playing their first game because the FCS teams are playing now in the spring. He said, uh, he goes back in the locker room. His stuff is gone. And he comes out to the press, press conference and he says, you know, somebody stole my, my, my stuff. We just won 50 something to nothing. The kids did a great job, but I'm pissed off. But we will find who did it. And what was and and then and we'll go through the sequence of events because I tweeted it out. And then, Ralph, what what was your response to it? And my, my it was not a wrong response. It was a, a response based upon the information that we had at the time.
1: Yeah, I saw some people had said that the S I D or somebody within the sports information office reached out to them and said that the stuff was just misplaced. That it wasn't stolen, that it was misplaced. Okay. And so my my reaction to that was Deion Sanders did the same thing that I do at my house, which is <laughs> the second that I can't that, that I can't find where I put my wallet or phone down, I look at my kids, I'm like, Who stole the, who stole my stuff? Yeah and so, then so and that, that that was based on that the the tweet from a couple of reporters saying that the SID had reached out to them to say that it was just misplaced
0: yeah and initially i was like there's no way it was misplaced and i was, i said it from the jump that i thought it was stolen because when you're in a locker room you don't just leave your stuff out like you put it in a bag in something else you know what i mean like it's not just going to yeah. be out so it's going to be where you put it. And dion has been doing this since he was in right out of high school getting drafted. And so um in baseball and then in football, like he's traveled all the time. Like he knows how to do this.
1: Yeah, his cell phones were a little bit bigger back then, though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you saw somebody steal that, you couldn't just slide that in your pocket, bro. <laughs> you had to put that thing in a damn duffel bag and with a crane. Guitar case. <laughs> so, and then... There was a tweet that came out saying that um, that Dion had that it was lost. And Dion said, whoever is putting out the lie that my belongings wasn't stolen is lying. My belongings were taken out of my bag. Um, yeah, but they were stolen. They were taken out. Uh, we have retrieved them since being reported. My staff wit- member witnessed the crime. So what, what was your take on this?
1: Well, I mean, if he's saying that, that he, he watched it happen or whatever, it, it's believable for me, man. I grew up in suburban Phoenix. I was stolen from in, uh, in the locker room. I got jumped for confronting the person who stole from me. Uh, I stole from somebody else freshman year in, uh, in the locker room because they had those, um, like the chicken wire. Uh, front cages, yeah, in the lockers, so you could just you could grab the denim on somebody's jeans, lower it down to where the back pocket was facing that open hole, and you could just pull right out of their wallet. I took a dollar, I took a dollar from somebody to buy a Powerade, got caught, got my ass beat. Like it's you know <laughs> stuff you do when you're 14 years old, and you I I I learned I learned one don't steal two. Uh, don't say anything if you get stolen from, if the other person is crazy. So <laughs> I don't know if that culture is, is, is unique um, to to that place, but we do kind of have to get to the pa- past, the point, like the consequences that you see in, in young men who see like an easy come up. Um, Cause we, we just had the one year anniversary of pop smokes murder, right? Yeah. Five people went to jail in California for that, for probably yep. for life, for life, six lives end immediately off of trying to get some temporary gratification, a temporary uh, come up um, XXX tentacion yep. uh, for some jewelry. Everyone's lives over everybody who was involved in that lives instantly over. And so I'm, I'm not sure what, I I, mean, I I know that, I know that it's, it feels different, um, in this day and age, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, no honor or no glory, uh, for thieves, but then we turn around, we, we, we celebrate like old West train robbers and stuff like that. So obviously there's some type of cultural disconnect that there can be like a, a museum to, to Butch Cassidy or, or, or something like that, but there's no, you know, um, but we don't necessarily like we just look at it as a cultural issue i feel like and um and and tell me if i'm wrong when when you're talking about that of like he's trying to teach people a different way to do things and a different way to live by bringing this out to the forefront um and i think pe- people need to know it people need to know that like there is no honor or glory in going to jail for 10 to, to 20 years there's no honor or glory in being the person who took Sean taylor's life away like there's no That there's nothing about this that's worth any of the temporary gratification or or the little bit of bling or flash you get from it in the interim.
0: Yeah. And I think that I look like it feels like Deion Sanders is Joe Clark and lean on me. That that Jackson State, I'm, I'm not indicting Jackson State as the not the school as the problem, but the culture as the problem that he's trying to bring about some change in the culture. Like you were talking about the come up and all of that and the whole thing. Oh, there's no snitching, but he's trying to call them higher saying like, nah, player, like we do things differently. Like we're going to honor the right things in the world. We're not going to honor these other things. And I think he's trying to change expectations in amongst those people in the HBCUs. Like I was saying earlier about all the negative things in life, like that that's associated with black culture. Oh, you, oh, you ain't a real nigga. You 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 ain't this, this, this. If you don't act like this, and it's like, well, like if you are have a nine to five or you treat your girl right, all, all of those things. Or you or you don't have hoes. And one of the things that I've learned, and, and mind you, this has nothing to do with the culture, but just in terms of being a man in general, because I think us men suffer from this a lot, is that our pride sometimes will get us in trouble. You know what I mean? Like the, the idea that I was disrespected, I have to defend my pride because you're going to respect me. And probably the biggest lesson that I've learned in life is that like my masculinity is no longer... Wrapped up in stuff that can be bruised by other people's actions or words. You know, like I'm not yeah. willing to sacrifice my life, my future, my family's well-being because. Because you hurt my pride, because you said something to me. Or you did something to me like like if you hurt one of my I'm, I'm not talking about if you do something to one of my family. Like if you come and slap my wife in the face. Or if you come up and you say something to hurt, yeah, I'm going to say something to you. But the question is, do we then have to fight? Do I have to shoot you? Do I have to stab you? Do I have, you know what I mean? I'm going to do what it takes to de-escalate the situ- situation, but it's de-escalation instead of defending my own pride, if that makes sense. Like, I just want to make sure that we all get back home safely and my wife feels like, or my family feels like, I stuck up for them in the situation but in a way that that and sometimes that does mean swallowing a little bit of pride.
1: Yeah, I think I, I I definitely think that um that that pride is an issue. Um there's it's like that machismo brand of pride, right? Like I have to um my, my name matters. My status matters. All those things. But there's also just there's a level of entitlement in it as well, and that and entitlement shows a lack of pride. You have, therefore, I should have, or you have, therefore, I deserve, or 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 something like that. Like you you need you need the right kind of pride. You need enough pride in your name, um, to not debase yourself, and not so much pride in your name that you're not trying to defend it like it's a damsel in distress. There's gotta be some type of 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 happy balance. And I think that's a tough thing for a lot of young men just trying to make their way in the world. Like that's that that's always yeah. gonna be that really tough thing of how do I establish myself what's important, what matters. We're gonna play a clip later in the show of 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 that exact scenario resulting in brutal, brutal injury. Yeah.
0: Yeah, dude, I remember when I was coming out in the draft, 3 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying had just came out, and he made a statement um, in there that stuck with me, and I was like, no, I agree with this. And this at the time, I'm 20, what, 22 years old, 03? Um He said, niggas don't rob me. They know I'm down to die for my chain. And I was like... And at that moment, like, I was carrying a gun with me wherever I went, all this. I was like, all right, try to rob rob me. You're going, you're going to see what happens. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, in hindsight, I'm like, I have insurance. Yes, I do not want to be robbed. But, number one, I will be alive. My family needs me. And second thing is, F this chain. I'll buy a new chain. I'll buy a better chain if you take this one. So it's like, I, the fact, I mean, dude, yeah, I felt that I felt what 50 cents said to my core. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember, uh, um, uh a few years back, um, and I, you probably heard this story before. I don't know if, if the right or wrong crowd has heard this story, but I got my car stolen. Um, I had a little, uh, Mercedes C 230 used car. It was nice to be able to say I had a Mercedes, but it was, it was nothing special. And I pulled up after a high school football game, going out, scouting some players. I pulled up to a gas station after the game. I went in to get a soda and I left the keys in the car. And when I came back out, my car was gone. <laughs> get it. Um, and, uh, Anyway, my car is gone and I walk home and I tell, I tell my wife, you know, my car got stolen and she is furious, right? Cause I left it unlocked. I left the keys in it. Our backseat's like full of mail with our address on it and everything like that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sweating it. We have insurance. Um, it is what it is. There's nothing that I could do about it. And, and she was upset. And then a week later they found my car. The guy who stole my car got in a shootout with the police They found the car was full of guns and cash and drugs, and then it switched up. Then I went from being like, it is what it is to like, oh, my God, like I, you know, I really, I really, really messed up. And and, and my wife went from being upset at me to glad I left my keys in the car, because if I hadn't, she knows me, I would have fought for those keys. Like I would have, you know, I wouldn't have just let it happen in that moment. Yeah. And that would have put me you know, that would have put me in, in, a, in, a, in a bunch of danger uh, in that scenario. So it, what's what's weird is the best thing that could have happened is that um, that I was lazy and unsafe in that moment, walking away with my uh, w- w- with my keys in the car. But like of knowing of having to of having to go back through that of like, OK, what would have happened if he tapped on the glass, told me to get out and had a gun? And uh, and I, I knew I knew I knew I knew myself that like my pride in that moment would have been like, no, you can, you can keep walking
0: there. There is some levity in this situation though, because if you Google man gets his, uh, if if you Google
1: the two words Mercedes and Dr. Pepper, just those two words, my name will come up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny when you read the actual story, obviously there's life lessons here, but when you read the story, so Google, Dr. Pepper and Mercedes, and you will get the story. And, and and if you don't get it, if it's not the first thing, Google Dr. Pepper Air, uh, Dr. Pepper, Mercedes, and Arizona. Guaranteed you will get it. Yeah, that
1: would be that'd be interesting to find out there's more than one Dr. Pepper Mercedes carjacking. <laughs> All
0: right. Um n- next thing up. This has to do with college football because the NC, well, EA came out and said that they are going to make the NCAA 14, but whatever year it comes out again, the game again. And the University of Notre Dame, their athletic directors, Jack Swarbrick, said his school will not provide its name, logos, or other branding properties to EA Sports for the game until new rules that determine whether athletes will be able to receive a cut of the game's profits are finalized and he said that as those rules are developed it's our strong desire that student athletes be allowed to benefit directly from allowing their name image and performance history to be used in the game ralph this is great this is groundbreaking a school standing up and doing the right thing right
1: i don't know man i don't know i just it, it seems like a way to get your school's name in the news I don't mean to be cynical. I'm not one of those people that's cynical every time Notre Dame comes up. I'm not one of those people who roots for Notre Dame to lose. I'm not one of those people who thinks that Notre Dame is um, overly arrogant and stuffy and out of touch and all that. That's that's not me. Uh, but this to me this is feels what like you
0: heard about them. That that's all I mean. hear. Any
1: that's all I hear anybody ever talk about is Notre Dame stays on people's nerves, and I don't know why. It's not like they're even that good, and that's not like that's not. A cut at them. I think maybe that's the thing that, 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 pisses people off is Notre Dame gets so much love and they never actually um, really get, get over the hump or uh, who knows, who knows why people are, are, are annoyed. I, they don't bother me at all. But this particular thing is like, I think they know that that's not necessarily by the time this game is ready, that's not really even going to be an issue. Yep. So it really felt like a way for them to come out and stand out and say, We're more about the student athletes than everybody else. And to that, I say, good for you. (laughs) Everybody's looking for an edge.
0: Yeah, because the legislation has to be figured out before July 1st of this year, 2021, when the Florida law goes into act, it goes into place. So it's got to be figured out before then. It, the EA is not coming out with a game until the twenty twenty three till twenty twenty three. So the twenty twenty two year will be NCAA twenty twenty three. So like July of twenty twenty two, over a year from now. But the legislation will be done in four months. So this felt like oh oh you're doing the right thing. Good job Notre Dame. Yeah you. Uh, yeah hey Ralph Ralph. I promise you this. I will. There is not a chance in hell. I will not support anything that has to do with legislation or anything until until the election results are out. Like it's it's just I mean, whatever it is, it's just like, you know, that it's it's like saying that I will not bet on this game until after the outcome. (laughs) Nah, I get it. I get it. So I have have a
1: habit of if there's unfinished ice cream in the house, it's uh, I
0: eat it. Like, (laughs) what do you mean? There's unfinished. It's it. It's as soon as it's it's unfinished. As soon as it comes from in the house from the grocery store.
1: Okay, so when you break the plastic seal on those Ben and Jerry's, like the pints, yeah,
0: right. I
1: eat one. Like I eat the whole thing. Uh, to me, it's single serving. Even though, good what? lord, don't look at the calories on the side. Holy hell! Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pint. It's a pint of ice cream. You drink a pint of beer. You eat a pint of ice cream. It's the same thing to me.
0: <laughs> no, it's not, dude. A Ben and Jerry's uh, pint is a pint. <laughs> a Ben and Jerry's pint is a not a single serving. I'm an ice cream lover. Like ice cream is my favorite d- dessert, and and I eat it in two servings because. And I'm funny about how I, how I eat it, which is funny. Cause you already know how I am about, about food. So, um, so how do you eat ice cream? How do you eat the pint of ice cream? Is there a specific way you eat it? I leave it out for like two minutes
1: and then I go in on the sides cause those warm up first. And then I just, I, I kill the whole thing.
0: So, so you just stick your fork straight. I mean, your spoon straight down on the side and then w- once it's on the side, on the
1: sides where it's melting. Yeah. So I eat around. So like, so like at, at, at some point in the process, there will just be like a cylinder of ice cream in the middle of the pint with nothing around the edges.
0: <laughs> okay. That's not how I eat ice cream. So I, <laughs> I take my spoon right on, on the pint. So if I have the pint in my, in, in my hand, I take the spoon sideways and I'm like scoop it off the top. Like I, if you stick like my, my wife's a maniac and my kids are maniacs. They'll ask me for some of my ice cream and I don't let them touch it because they're uh, like, I have to scoop it off and give it to them because they stick their spoon, like right down on the side, right down in the freaking middle. But I eat it evenly down. Like there are no divots.
1: Some OCD. Okay.
0: Like, I, I, like it's like, A sideways, it's like a sliver of carpaccio or something. Like I got you, I got you.
1: All right, so so hear me out on this. So Aaron will finish half. My wife she'll finish half, uh, if that, if that, and then the next day I'll go in and I'll eat
0: the rest of hers,
1: and then she'll be like, "Where's my ice cream?" And I'm like, "You know where it is."
0: (laughs) You know, you know, you know what happened here.
1: So uh, the other day. I did that exact thing. And then I was like, Oh man, I feel bad. Cause I don't want to have this conversation again. Cause she gets mad every time. So I went to the store and I bought another, um, Steven Colbert problem. Uh, well, so then, and then I cracked it open and I ate the exact amount <laughs> that she had eaten. And then I put it in the freezer <laughs> as if I didn't eat her ice cream. Oh, wow.
0: Dude. But, but I'm and then I she- told
1: her and I told her, I was like, see, your ice cream's still in there. I didn't say that I didn't eat it. I just said, it's Your ice st- still in there. <laughs> and I and I feel like that's very much like this Notre Dame thing. And they're like, hey, we are not going to support anything that, uh, that that doesn't support these players, even though that will be a literal impossibility by the time this game comes out.
0: Dude, Dude. but side note, that Americone Dream, that is my favorite ice cream.
1: That was it. That's, that's the one that's, yeah, that's the Stephen
0: Col- Colbert. Oh, bro. That is fire. Um, Oh, now it, Oh, <laughs> now it is time for our, uh, social media, our best of social media. And the first thing didn't even come for, for me, like there's no video to it. It was an article. I just so happened to be scrolling through. Here is the headline. It's from the New York Post. Columbia professor. I do heroin regularly for work-life balance. So this dude named Carl Hart is a Columbia professor in psychology and neuroscience. And mind you, I've heard of people doing uh, like I like I've read about heard about people micro dosing stuff like LSD and all of that stuff. I just saw a thing on real sports where people do it for a concussion uh, to help w- with that. Like I've read that. Then this dude goes says he's 54 married father of three has smoked has snorted small amounts of heroin for as many as 10 days in a row and enjoyed it mightily. And. Even if he recalls in his new book, "Drug Use for Grownups: Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear," uh, he does say he experienced mild withdrawal symptoms 12 to 16 hours after it. And then he goes on to say, "There aren't many things in life that I enjoy more than a few lines." So he's not <laughs> microdosing a few lines by the fireplace at the end of the day. It leaves me feeling refreshed. And prepare to face another day. Ralph. Yes, George. <laughs> go, go ahead.
1: I know Carl Hart. He, like, I don't know him personally. But I, for a long time, he's been a periodic guest on Real Time with Bill Maher. And I'll watch that show from time to time. And they bring him on to talk about controversial issues or whatever. And so he, he's, he's a well-known entity and commentator on a lot of social issues. Um, this is uh this is a little bit of a surprise to me um i so i don't know what the purpose of this is i don't know if it's to like erase the stigma i i, I would encourage zero people on this planet to experiment with opiates they're not they're not good for you. And I understand that there's this culture of experimentation out there of people wanting to expand their mind and, and their senses. And I got a former nanny who's definitely not watching my kids anymore, who's super into the microdosing mushrooms and stuff. Like she gets into whatever trend is going on. And, and this is her new one is, is microdosing. I know that there's a lot of people who listen to Joe Rogan's podcast and they talk about the stuff that they experiment with and everything like that. Opiates are not one of those things. They should not be included on any of the, uh, the, the list of anybody's thing, uh, that, that is harmless and experimental. It's, it is something that is continually trying to trick your body into a form of, um, of dependency. And, and the one thing that um, that, that Carl Hart said that really kind of pissed me off as he said, when I'm rolling, I just want to be able to breathe deeply and enjoy it. The simple act of breathing can be pleasurable. And then he just said, like, if somebody's doing this, then they should be able to do it safely. There is nothing safe about opiates, opiate dependency, regular opiate use. You you've seen it completely destroy lives inside of athletics, inside of uh, the 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 music community. Um, you saw it get overprescribed. Um, I said, I had an aunt, I had an aunt pass away from um, medicating with opiates to try to uh, get past some of the issues that she had. Um, when battling uh, lung cancer and she's my best friend in the world. And it was a nightmare watching that whole thing go down. It's just not, it's not, it's not a toy and he's talking about it like it's a toy. And this is a guy who I respect, who's a a, a brilliant mind and who has a really successful career. I don't think this does what he hopes it'll do, which is destigmatize it, have people talk openly about their recreational drug use. I don't think opiates should be a part of that. That'd be like sipping gasoline being part of the conversation.
0: Okay. So, but here's the thing that, that, I wanted to to bring up. So we believe in America that we should be free, that we should have rights, we should be able to do whatever that we want. But then we put stop signs on certain on certain things and say, "Well, here's where we say the stop sign is." So should that stop sign even be at heroin? Cuz because clearly the stop sign used to be at weed, right? And then but a D- Despite what one uh, congresswoman believes, nobody ODs from weed. <laughs> I, I, um, I was reading a story that said that you actually have to have thirty, like thirty two hundred times the uh, the amount in a in a joint for you to even get close to ODing. So, I I just don't like so if this is America, we believe that we're free. You know, this whole discussion has been had about masks and all of that. So, so should the government be putting a stop sign up for, for anything? Because, because remember, like these are the same people who were like, who scream about not wearing masks. It's destroying our liberties, all of this, but then they want to put stop signs up for people's drug use.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could, we could get super libertarian on, on the Reister or wrong podcast, uh, Ron Paul, 2012. Let's go. I am I think that any chemical dependency of any kind should be treated as a public health issue. Period. The end caffeine. If you are, if you are dependent upon caffeine to the point where it is an impediment to your life and endangers you and the people around you, then it should be treated as a, as a, as a public health issue, there should be education and rehabilitation. Nobody ever improved society, just taking people out of their families and out of their lives and out of their worlds and locking them away and not actually doing anything about the problem. You know, um, one of the things that, uh, um, that I I feel like Hillary Clinton just got absolutely crucified for saying this uh, a few years back, but I I felt that it it was worthy of some consideration and worthy of some merit was that, like, if we really want to get a handle on the the drug situation in America, got to stop using drugs unless they're going to do something about it through federal regulation or whatever. Um, You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is these drugs are here because they're being consumed. And so you have to, you have to take an honest assessment and say, like, America has a drug problem because Americans are using drugs. And if Americans are using drugs, how do we address that problem? And to me, nothing, we've never done anything positive when it comes to uh, zero tolerance, when it comes to locking people up. So you, it should be looked at as a public health issue, but it also in the process, should the pendulum shouldn't swing all the way to glorification it should all be, it should be studied and understood and used as appropriate, uh, whether recreational or to enhance your life or whatever. But I just don't see heroin doing that for everybody. That doesn't mean that I think that people should be locked up. That doesn't mean that I think that Carl Hart should be thrown in jail for even admitting this out, out in the open. But I do think that, that uh, if there was a basic understanding of, of what opiates do to you and not just heroin is bad, but uh, oxyc. Codone is good when prescribed by a doctor. If there's a basic understanding of what these drugs actually do to your brain and the dependence that they try to create and the issues that they create in your body, um, you know, simple things like, hey, if you knew that uh you wouldn't be able to take a shit for eight days, would you take this one pain pill that's just as effective as a Tylenol? <laughs> Probably not. Like, and so like. Just the the idea of 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 people being able to be educated about the stuff that they they put in their bodies and understanding what alternatives are out there, um, all that stuff's really important to me. I absolutely hate the hate the drug war, and I am borderline libertarian, as you were, you were kind of bringing up right now. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean I think that people should be doing this stuff. And I think that Carl Hart putting this in his book, I mean, that's dummy shit. That was just yeah. stupid.
0: See, I'm I'm in favor of like that drugs when people have drug issues that it should be treated as a public health issue. No, no matter whether it's opioids or whether it's crack or whether it's heroin, it's the same damn issue. Um, or alcoholism. It's the same thing. Like it's a, it's a mental health issue, but it's also a, like, like if you treat the mind, then you can help people get off of these. So I'm a big proponent of drug courts, all of this stuff. So people shouldn't be able to just skirt off without responsibility. They should have to go through programs that actually help them rehabilitate them and throw throwing them in jail, ripping them away from their families is not the, the answer. Um, Do
1: you think, but is the answer sitting by the fireplace and, and, and rocking a few lines before cracking a good book? Dude.
0: <laughs> All right, so... I, I let people do whatever the hell they want to do. Right. But at the kind of, kind of like the state of Oregon where drugs are legal there, but at the point in time that you commit a crime, <laughs> now we have a problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I
1: got, You're, I mean, I, I got a friend who's a, who's a, a state uh, trooper in Oregon. And, you know, I think that he appreciates um, right. that people, People are able to do as they please within reason. But at the same time, he's told me he spends a lot of time cleaning up bodies on highways from people driving high.
0: Yeah, see, see that. But do you think that the legalization of it or the not not the legalization, but the decriminalization increases use? Because I think that people who use heroin are going to use heroin. Like the criminalization of it hasn't stopped it. I don't think the decriminalization of weed makes more people smoke weed. People were already smoking weed. I think the education surrounding weed in particular has gotten more people to try it because they're like, oh, okay, there's benefits of CBD uh, without THC, that there's a lot of different things that you can do with it. So I think the education maybe has increased with Mar- marijuana and its different uses with creams and foods and helping sleep and all of these things, like the benefits of it um, aside from the recreational use of it versus, so I don't think that the decriminalization in Oregon is going to increase the amount of people who do drugs. Bec- I mean, in terms of do hardcore drugs to do heroin, cocaine or, or crack or anything like, like that, because the whole idea that drugs that people sell drugs. I've never bought into that. People don't sell drugs. Drugs sell themselves. Like people right. go looking for drugs. They're not advertised on billboards. They're not like like you don't see commercials for it. People go search for them.
1: Yeah, okay, okay, but you you have to admit that ease of access does spur some consumerism. You know, I was in I, I was living here in Arizona when we finally got in and out. And the line wrapped around the building four different times, right? Like people got in and out because it was now available to them. I don't ski much because I live outside Phoenix, right? If I lived in a place where, where that was more easily accessible, the odds of me participating in it might go up. So I do think that you have to take into consideration that and, and I think that the areas that actually do have legalization and decriminalization, New Jersey just, I think, legalized weed today or something like that. I saw something like that online. More people will probably try it, and more people will try, probably experiment with it because of ease of access. I think more people probably watch pornography because it's easily accessible on, online and free. I think, I think the the ease of access does in some instances spur use and i know that you believe that to some extent because on our other show the pac-12 apostles all we ever talk about is how they need to make sure that the pac-12
0: network has ease of access oh shut up
1: (laughs) oh did i just land a
0: punch (laughs) hey that was a good one that was a good one (laughs) thank you damn Good. You have a memory like a freaking elephant, but but I am a person who does like to be <laughs> uh, consistent. Head, head size of an elephant. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, oh, it's hanging.
1: It's coming. It's coming
0: loose. I <laughs> ah, the, the, the helmet's coming loose. Oh my oh. god! Yo, it's coming loose, people. The hat is coming loose. Oh, I forgot to take a picture with it on backwards. So and now I got that too. We um, do. We
1: do have somebody. Somebody just uh, um is in our mentions here saying. Uh,
0: <laughs> don't let the flat bill bullies get to you, Ralph. <laughs> hey, I love it. Hey, flat bill. My, my my bill's not flat. Is this a flat bill? It's got a little curve and you know why? Yeah. I think, but I think the
1: curve is from the tension that your oversized head is putting on the inside of the hat.
0: What are you talking about? Dude, you, it, there's no tension. You don't, Do you see that? <laughs> that's that's nice. Brief...
1: Yep, no, you just OJ'd me.
0: (laughs) If the glove, if the hat don't fit, you must have quit. Here is the rest of the social media wrap-up. So the uh, Golden State Warriors were playing against the Charlotte, I was going to call them the Bobcats, the the Charlotte Hornets. That was a terrible name, by the way, the Bobcats. Do they Um, even have those? I don't think they have those there. No. Um, So here is what... Happened. So Draymond green lost the game for them. They were up by two points. He thinks he gets a tie up. He gets a double technical and then, um, Charlotte got the ball. It was a disaster. So they make the two free throws and then, um, Terry Rozier hits the game winner. And then here is what ended up happening after it. Steve Kerr was so mad. Like he went off on Draymond in the press conference. But watch this attempted kick of the basketball. He's in the top corner. That was the worst kick, attempted kick of a basketball that I have ever seen, Ralph. This was atrocious by Steve Kerr. He went to go kick it, and he was like non-committal. He was like, I think mean, it was a kick le- the yeah. hell out of this. Mm.
1: It felt like a late decision. It felt like he was just stepping to the sideline and saw the ball come and readjusted. Um, that's a single in kickball, though. He'd have got on base.
0: Because <laughs> everybody would have thought he was going to kick it hard.
1: Dude. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The windup, everybody would have taken that two steps back, and
0: yeah. then the
1: ball like skitters in front of him. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Next thing up from the association, which rocked the world. The game is so
1: fast. Timberwolves will take off a little bit of time here. They were lucky that
0: wasn't turned over.
1: Anthony Edwards, that time he does finish
0: with the exclamation point. And that was Anthony Edwards' number one overall pick out of Georgia for the Minnesota Timberwolves dunking on a player from the – I mean, like, when I first saw it, I tweeted it out. I was like, do you want to see a dead body from from Stand On Me? I mean, from – Stand by stand me. stand on me. No, that's what that's what Edwards did at the end of that dunk. <laughs> Dude, and I was like, OK, so the, the dunk was obviously spectacular, but that's not what. Like impressed me the most about it. It was the fact that people can't have nice things, that they are ultimate haters. All they talked about was it's a, it's only two points because he only has seven points in the game and they lost. Did you see
1: that they gave him four points, though? Did you no. see the scoreboard? Play the dunk again. Okay. See if it's on there.
0: The game is so fast. Timberwolves will take so it's off a little bit of time here. 61-58 at this point they in time. They lucky that wasn't turned over. Anthony Edwards, that time he does finish. Oh, oh, they gave him four <laughs> points. Point. I did not see that, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. How did you notice that? I saw somebody else tweet about it. I've been laughing about it for two days. So is it is it worse that they gave him four points for it <laughs> or the fact that people found a way to hate it? well he only had seven points. It yeah, was the okay. dunk was stupid. Like the dunk was I mean, like this was like Vince Carter when he dunked over dude in the Olympics, except for he killed him in the process. This was like when when LeBron James uh killed uh Jason Terry. Or when who was it? DeAndre Jordan dismantled Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Knight. Brandon Jennings, yeah. No, it was Brandon Brandon Knight.
1: Oh, Brandon Knight! Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, the the dunk going baseline, going up like that, and then uh, with one hand, it reminded me of Kevin Johnson on Akeem one. That was, uh, but I I mean, the air was different. The air was way different. The still frame shots, because KJ KJ kind of turned his body and went up sideways. Um, and the he suns just lost.
0: by him. And of course, you have to bring up a Phoenix Suns dunk. It wasn't even close. Okay, they, first, all of all, first of all,
1: first of all, first of all,
0: back to Phoenix. Uh, Ke- uh, yes, all things lead back
1: to Phoenix. And Hakeem Olajuwon is the greatest shot blocker of all time. I don't even know this poor man's name that got dunked on. I'm probably not going to bother to learn it. That one was on Akeem, but I'm telling you, this dunk was better, and also the Suns lost that game, so I don't like thinking about it. But it reminded me the baseline going up on a guy and and, and doing it aggressively. My favorite thing about the dunk, uh, besides what you brought up, guys like Nate Duncan, who are just absolute dweebs trying to rain on the parade and being like, he was 0 for 7 from 3. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> like, But besides all that, my favorite thing about the dunk was Anthony Edwards just kind of like nonchalantly smiling and looking up at the scoreboard afterward he didn't do the deandre jordan like ugly face like i just killed a man yeah he
0: was like his reaction was like oh that was fun yeah (laughs) like like like, we'll 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 try this again in a couple weeks yeah yeah and that was
1: cool that was real cool and anybody who didn't see that like anybody who saw that and didn't have fun
0: get therapy get therapy now dude it it was it was bad as when Scottie Pippen, I think, when when he dunked on Patrick Ewing and pushed oh, him Ewing. all oh. down, or when Sean Kemp pointed at homeboy after who, who did he dunk on? Like,
1: uh, when oh, he did the double point or the yeah. Shaq
0: Shaq knocking Chris Dudley into the stands?
1: Yeah, I just oh man, it makes me feel like a kid again. I used to watch the Ahmad Rashad narrate
0: the top ten dunks every week. Was it NBA Inside Stuff or whatever? Yeah,
1: Dude.
0: oh man. I, I will tell you, so the first time I ever got dunked on, and mind you, I was a basketball player, b- basketball recruit, all that stuff. So this, this, this sort of thing happens. I dunked on people more than I got dunked on. First time I got dunked on was the Cleveland. I, we were playing against Cleveland in high school. We were playing a 2-3 zone. They faked the skip pass, and then dude went back, back door, and I tried to go back because I was on the bottom block. But anyways, the the, the dunk on that really like humbled me, because, you know, I was a big-time athlete, like 6'3", I could jump, all this. Was when, after my freshman year, I'm, I'm in, uh, it's summertime, and I'm at Oregon. I'm playing o- open gym with Freddie Jones, Alex Scales, Brian Bracey, all the dudes from the Oregon team. And they have these two freshmen incoming, Luke Jackson and Luke Ridenourer. And, and who Luke, Luke and I are playing the league for like 12, 13 years. Um, Luke Jack, they were both lottery picks. Luke Jackson, six, seven, six, eight. But they're both white guys, right? <laughs> and Luke Jackson's fast, a little, little, little jitterbug. And I remember I was like, you know, I know it's not right, but you you have some pride. like, I'm not going to let this white boy dunk on me. And so Luke Rittenauer throws a lob from like half court. I'm running back covering Luke. I see the lob, and I'm like, oh, I can go get that. I've jumped up, but he threw it super high. I tipped the ball. Luke Jack, the ball tipped and ricocheted some kind of way. I don't know whether it went up, back, Either Anyway, Luke Jackson caught it. He caught the ball and just dunked on me just like... Almost as bad as this, dude. It was pretty bad.
1: I don't, um, I don't know, maybe I'm in the extreme minority on this, but I, you see, people just roast people for getting dunked on. I never have felt that way. You're supposed to go up. Yeah. Also, thank you for going up because it makes it look cooler. Yep. Like, I don't buy, I'm not going to buy a poster for my room as a kid or for my kid's room now of somebody going up on nobody.
0: Like that's that's just a regular dunk. It's a necessary part of it.
1: Yeah, and And I and I I think that that's also part of the what makes the legacy of somebody who's a a a really good dunker. Because there's some people out there who who you know Tim Duncan probably has like ten thousand dunks in his career, and nobody nobody cares because he only went up on a few different people but it's the people who who when they when they go up and it's nasty those are the people that you really remember and in my mind I know his career fizzled out cuz his knee died or whatever but in my mind Antonio McDice oh um, he's Amare, like, yeah, Amare yeah Amare like those guys like they they become they become absolute legends uh for for going up and doing that stuff
0: yep um next thing up uh is one of the coolest things that I've seen Because I didn't read the caption initially. And this is from Yosemite. And me and my family go to Yosemite all the time. And it literally looks like, if you don't have a chance to see it or click on the link or whatever yet, it looks like fire is coming down off of Yosemite Falls. And, I mean, looks like literal fire instead of the water that runs down and then the 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 what the hell do you call it? The vapor, the water vapor that flies off to it looks like it's on fire. Like lava is coming down off the the uh, waterfall. And to me, that was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. And apparently it only happens during February when the sun hits it in a certain time. And I just and as a person who goes to Yosemite all the time and loves it, I just thought that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Thank you for sending that to me, Ralph. I sent it to my whole family, and they were all like, "Oh my god!" Like the kids. Oh were crazy. man, that
1: that that's the type of thing that if you saw it in person, you probably go start a religion. Like, <laughs> no way to like, I, I I I've never seen anything like that in my life. Last time I was at Yosemite, we were we were camping for um for about a week. Or it's called it's pronounced Yosemite, right? Did I get that right? Uh, oh, right. Last, <laughs> yeah, Yosemite. <laughs> But last time I was at Yosemite, it, it, the whole place was on fire. And so, like, it looked like that, but also there was smoke. This is, That's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I'm from Wyoming, and, you know, I hold Yellowstone up to a higher standard, and I think it's better than all these other parks, and I'm an elitist. That is by far the coolest thing I've ever seen at a national
0: park. That was incredible. I have not been to Yellowstone, so I can't poo-poo it yet compared to uh... – I'm going to get you there to compare but no but we all want to go like so that's definitely a must um so i can't poo-poo it compared to yosemite but it's hard for me to believe that anything's better than, than yosemite
1: i've never seen anything like no that was oh oh you mean just in general
0: yeah all right all right all right i got you all right, all right. um here's the last thing up and this was the video was important but the write-up after it was more Important than the actual video. Here's the video of Oklahoma uh, player, football player, Spencer Jones, Holder Spencer Jones. Here's the headline. Holder Spencer Jones recovering. Lucky he didn't lose the eye altogether after fight at Campus Corner Bar. First of all, where the hell are bars open at? I live in California. That's the first thing. Second Second thing, here's the, here's the video. He's the guy in the, uh, the, jacket, like the jacket. Hey, hey, Bush. Hey, get out of here. Oh, what you got? Bush is the guy. Get out of here. Oh, wait. No, no, no. no. He's got a black oh, 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 shit. Oh, shit, buddy. Oh, shit, young blood. Oh, shit. Like UFC. Hey.
1: Hey, Bounce he ain't fucking
0: around, cuz. He got nobody coming back, like, bro. took his back. Hey. And my business is significant. That's just funny, man. bro. Hey, uh, guillotine. Hey, rear-nicking joke! Tap out, motherfucker. Wrestling edge. Three, two, yo-hoo. one. Oh, oh shit, welfare. bro! Y'all
1: motherfuckers ain't playing around, bro.
0: Dude, cameras have created these audiences, dude. They're they're like, I'm not breaking it up. I'm not getting a part of it. I need the footage. I hate
1: that. I hate that. But first of all, I would not have tried to break that up either. Those that look dangerous. That'd be like trying to get a, a, a tiger off a lion. Like no, no. <laughs> I I will say I will say like a lot of fight videos, and I'm I'm it's a cultural thing, right? It gets the zeitgeist. It's the moment. I watch them. I feel ashamed afterward, but I do judge a lot of fight videos off the commentary. Um, this one, uh, this one in like Norman, Oklahoma, with a very clearly white dude saying cuz, uh, that, that definitely added a special flavor <laughs> to, to whatever that video was. Um, my goodness though, like just get to the article because way for, for people who are just listening to the podcast version, two tall dudes seem to be from just where the video started picking on two smaller dudes. And then they both got smoked on the floor of a bathroom. Like one almost lost an eye. One clearly is concussed into next year. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't even close. Like th- these two guys are obviously MMA fighters. They're oh, obviously clearly. wrestlers. Yeah. And it, it, it looked like they, they, they were it looked like they locked eyes and then just engaged like it was that i mean that that part of it was was kind of cool not the result i don't a, like it, violence it i don't like
0: fighting he was waiting for him to put some hands on him he's like please let him touch me because i love fighting i love fighting and it wasn't even and it wasn't even the dude that pushed him yeah it was his fr- his
1: friend his friend shoved the dude and then that that set the whole thing off
0: and it <laughs> look at me Bitch. Hey, hey, fuck, hey, fuck, get oh, what you got? Hey, fuck, fuck, fuck out. Get out of here! Get out! Oh. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't even—he wasn't even the guy, man. So, so let's so, let's talk about the
1: the quotes in this article is the funniest
0: thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing. I thought that he was the guy in. I thought he was the one that pushed him initially. So that now he that was saying get the F out of I here. Yeah. yeah. So uh <laughs> so it, it said the some of the quotes from the article, it said that uh that the dude that they were able to save his eye, all of this, and um they went on to say that oh wait, hold on. Where oh I got you, that, I got you. So, okay, go
1: on. So first first of all, this is a, a former quarterback recruit. Um, which, unfortunately, our boy Woody Womack at Rivals wrote an article about this kid back in 2014, April 2014, so seven years ago now. And the title of the article was "2016 Quarterback Dreams of Catching Oklahoma's Eye." Oh. And uh, anyway, his name is his name is Spencer Jones. He is a quarterback converted to wide receiver. I guess he's their holder. And he, I think he's like a super senior on the, on, on the team or something like that. And, um, he's in a, he's in a bar bathroom, which not a great idea at this point in history, but, but whatever, that's a completely different topic. Um, and, uh, and they look like they got into some previous conflict. And then he was telling these two shorter guys, get the F out of here, get the F out of here. His friend comes in and he shoves one of the guys and then they both get lit up by two, obviously, experienced MMA slash wrestler guys one almost loses an eye and the doctor in, in this article says Dr. Brooks he said um he's extraordinarily lucky at this point that he, that he didn't lose the eye altogether or no I guess this is Woodrow Glass his um his attorney uh but he um, Woodrow Glass, this kid's attorney, which I'm not sure why he has attorney, maybe he's suing the kid or whatever, but he said he was trying to de-escalate that situation, but unfortunately, it wasn't deescalated despite his best efforts. and, <laughs> and he became the vi- the victim of this vicious assault you've seen, which is lawyer speak for my client got his ass whooped.
0: <laughs> you got knocked them out. <laughs>
1: He, oh my gosh. He, so he, he said, look at me, bitch, to the kid. He said, get the F out of here. He said it repeatedly. And then his friend shoved him. And that's what started the fight. And so for, for the lawyer to come out and say, my client was assaulted, despite his best efforts to de escalate the situation, walking away is, is, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's 99% effective. It's like a condom, it will get the job done. He did, that wasn't his best. Absolutely. Walk away. Walk away. And I hate that we're talking about this video. We're laughing about it. I hate that it exists. i hate that he got his orbital socket caved in, but walk away or don't go to a bar during a pandemic. What sympathy is he expecting to get here?
0: None. Nobody is going to watch this video and be like, Oh my God, I feel so bad for him. Nobody, nobody. So, but that reminds me of when we played in the, uh, the Holiday Bowl when I was at Oregon. We were playing against Texas. One of the big Texas linemen, he starts talking trash to some dude from this little dude uh, in in San Diego. And I will never forget the words. We were outside in the gas lamp district. And then he's talking trash. And you know, he's a big football, big tackle, big 350. I mean, one of their enormous tackles. And he's like, and there's this dude. I mean, so the tackle's like, Six five three fifty 350 enormous dude. And then the little dude is probably like five, eight buck 80. And he goes, this L hood, this L hood and proceeded to take off on him, bro. If this were today, he would, he would have missed the game for the concussion protocol. He was sleep. On the concrete on the side uh, on like outside in the Gaslamp District, sleep. This little dude put him to sleep, and this is what this reminded me of. Do not think just because you're bigger than somebody that you can whoop their ass.
1: So here's my question: How deep does the Brotherhood run? Because let's say that that's your teammate, and you see that the situation is escalating, and you're 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 six three, you know you're 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 two fifty. At the time, right, playing in in college football, yeah. his teammates but were
0: trying to get him to chill, though.
1: But it's your holder. It's not your star quarterback. It's not. It's your holder. How deep does the brotherhood run when you see him trying to start stuff with a doo doo as cauliflower ear in a bathroom? Like, are you? What's your first thought? Like, this is my brother. Right. I got to get him out of here, or I don't want to get pissed on my clothes. I'm gonna let this. I'm gonna let him figure this out.
0: Oh, after, after the fight starts, you're on your own, JoJo. Like, I'm not going to let him get killed, but, you know, like, I'm not getting pissed on my clothes. Like, I'm I'm not. Like, I'm not gonna, I, I'm going to... I'm going to tell homeboy, like, yo, stop, stop. That's enough. Like, when whenever the that's enough point starts, stops, that's where I'm at. Especially if I try to de-escalate the situation and to get you to stop. And, and like, and especially being that if I wasn't looking for a fight and we're not cool like that either. Like, I just know you. Like, you're my teammate. There's a difference between, on, on a football team especially, in college there's 100 dudes, 100 plus guys. You're not friends with everybody. Like, some some of these people, you got to wear it. You got to wear yeah, it. Yeah, but I, you're
1: going to let this dude get a Mason Rudolph dent in his head on a bathroom floor when I mean he 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 was he was getting choked out. See that's my thing. So is now, like,
0: so now uh, th- no the the uh, chokeout is where we stop. Where like I'm like that's enough. Like it's got to stop there. Like that that's the point where I intervene. But before that I'm not. You mean turning- you 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 wouldn't be the guy
1: in the video who did a three count? No. Did you hear that? Oh. <laughs> Somebody in the video goes one two three. It's over.
0: That's rude, dude. That's rude as hell. Um, you, you guys, that is right or wrong for today. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Thank you for joining us and continue to support. Share it with a friend. Tell a friend about the right or wrong podcast. He's Ralph. He, yeah, <laughs> he's Ralph Amson, the man with the the man whose hat is holding on for dear life, and I am the man that actually wears nice hats. Uh, but actually, I'm not even going to criticize your hat because your kid made it, so that's fine. Thank you. It's gonna. There's gonna be a scandal come out that I'm the one that made the hat.
1: <laughs> <I was laughs> feeling bad about myself and and wrote number one dad in Sharpie
0: on the front of it. Uh, all right, peace out. Catch you guys on Wednesday.